In the not too distant future 2016 AD There was a weirdo guy named Jack Not too different from you or me He sat around his armbar store Just acting nerdy and being poor He did it all with a cheerful face So they gave him a show and they shipped him to LA I'll watch all the wrestling The best I can find Then I'll interview my guests And try to pick their minds Now no one knows what era Jack will talk about today But he'll probably talk about the guys That helped to pave the way Legends Roll Call Ric Flair Roddy Piper Randy Savage Dusty Rhodes You might not agree on favorites Or other so-called facts Remind yourself it's all for fun So pipe down and sit back For Captain Jack's Armbar Emporium Hello and welcome back to the podcast of power With the man of the hour, Too Sweet to be sour. Yes, this is Captain Jack Hartless. Uh, we are back after the wedding of our founder and proprietor here at the Steel Cage Network, Joshua Schlag. Congratulations to him uh, with some more Captain Jack's Armbar Emporium. Um, we're going to start right up front and address the elephant in the room. Um, by the time you're hearing this on Friday, a lot of you will already have probably discussed to death the news that happened on Monday, and that was the announcement. Uh, on Monday Night Raw, which is uh, something we don't normally talk about, uh, but in this case it seemed um, unavoidable to not discuss it, and that was uh, the announcement by WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns that uh, he has leukemia, he has had it for 11 years, it was in remission, but now it is back, and uh, he will be leaving for an indefinite period of time, to battle the disease, uh, wanted to bring awareness to it, and in the process uh, relinquished the universal title, which seems pretty inconsequential, um, especially after the first two things. Um, I will leave it at this and say that the choice to go public with it uh, had to be a tough one, and that... From all accounts that I've heard uh, from people throughout the business that uh, Joe Anoa'i, the person, is a pretty fantastic human being. So um, I, my heart goes out to him. Uh, cancer has ripped through my mother's side of my family. So um, I know that I thought about my aunt who fought four rounds of it before she passed away as uh, I watched a video back someone sent me of his promo. Uh, this week. So um, my uh, thoughts and well wishes go out to Joe and uh, to his family, and I hope that he is able to uh, to come back soon. He said he's beaten it once already when he was 22, and uh, he plans on doing so again. So I, I do hope that that proves true. But um, we're going to try to push past that. Got a lot of fun stuff for you this week. 
had a little time off in that interim. Have a very special guest live in studio this week. We spared no expense, all the way from Virginia, returning to the show in person, Joshua Gavin. Hello, friends. This is pretty awesome. Um, I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, I would recommend you go back in the archives because it's one of the best shows um, we've ever done. But uh, the last time Josh Gavin was on this show... Second to last time because we did the King of Pro Wrestling recap. uh, My apologies. The very first time (laughs) you were on this show, uh, it was very it was very newsworthy. I uh, burned some bridges. I uh, I mean they probably never heard it, but uh, Gabe Spolsky probably would not love what I said about him on that one. Uh, there were a lot of name people that did hear what you had to say and were very interested. Yeah. Um. I don't need to list them, but there was people within wrestling journalism, I air-quoted that, you can't see it, um, and people who are legitimate journalists that were like, well, this was said, that was said, da-da-da-da. Only one of them actually talked to me about it, and it was uh, someone who I consider a very good friend, which was very nice. Um, But yeah, this is going to be less bridge Bernie, more I'm at the end of my time in LA, and I'm really sad about it because Virginia is very boring. But, you know, I I do want to state for the record... Out of all those people, who was the wrestling journalist that broke that story and brought everyone that interview and has two thumbs? Captain Jack Heartless, that's who. You didn't see it, but he was pointing at himself with two thumbs like Rob Van Dam. Actually, so uh, much more sober at any given moment. Yes, and also like Dr. Bob Kelso on Scrubs. <laughs> yes, who's got two thumbs doesn't give a crap. Bob, Bob Kelso. Kelso. That's, yes, I was doing less of the side pointing and more of the straight ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty old school like that. Yeah, because, you know, Bob Kelso was a character before Rob Van Dam. Oh, wait, no. It was the reverse. Van Dam invented thumb pointing, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, I don't know if that's right. I feel like, I feel like I've seen Playboy Buddy Rose do it on an old Portland tape. I mean, I mean, it's entirely possible. And that was a big man with very large thumbs as a result. He was. Um, Blow away I, diet wasn't going to shrink those meat hooks. <laughs> sure wasn't. Uh friend of mine and incredible tag team wrestler Carrie Awful has been described as if Playboy Buddy Rose uh, hit a tattoo parlor and it's probably one of the best comparisons that's ever been made that comparison I believe made by Rob Naylor don't quote me on that that's fantastic shout out to the Carnies by the way Um, they just released a new hoodie you should pre-order it from them I am doing so now that I live in a state where there are seasons unlike Florida fair enough Um, actually before we get into um, the big part of our episode, uh, I do want to do a quick uh, recap of NWA 70. I watched it live. Um, I know Billy Corgan, uh, right before we taped this, uh, did put out kind of a post-mortem note about the show where he readily acknowledged the production snafus that were plentiful, especially through the first half of the show, and really disappointing. But there were a couple of really good things that came out of it. Will uh, Mack. Willie Mack is your new national heavyweight champion, and uh, they are going to treat that belt as the uh, number two belt in the National Wrestling Alliance, much as the U.S. title was back in the day, which also means they're leaning into the fact that Willie Mack is now, by virtue of being the national heavyweight champion, the de facto number one contender for the 10 pounds of gold, the world's heavyweight championship, which is awesome. Uh, Willie is a great performer and an even better person, uh, so... Yeah, there were a couple of guys I was really sad to not see get it. Uh, I was I had publicly kind of thrown my support behind Mike Perro for for many reasons, but uh, Willie is is by no means a bad choice. 
And yeah, I would, uh, I would concur with that. Um, I kind of had also put my money on uh, Perot as someone who I know personally and who I feel like would have been a great representation of a new crop and not kind of sticking with the West Coast crowd that uh, seems to be running with the NWA title through yeah. CWF Hollywood and things like that. But I love Willie. He's tremendous. If you've never seen him, why? Um, um, somebody told me that uh, the the original like Crockett era iteration of the uh, U.S. title never had a black champion. I, don't, I would have I'm to not, look I'm into not that. sure if that's I would true. Because I thought it. I thought Rufus Rufus R. Jones was the was the U.S. champion at one point, or that Bobo Brazil was. But that might have been a different version of the U.S. title because there were a couple of them, and that was might have been the one in Detroit. Um, but don't quote me on that. Bottom line is Willie Mack being the national heavyweight champion is a fucking great call. Uh, the other great call, and funny that we mentioned the Carnies because they were one of the first names that come up, the return of the Crockett Cup in which, 2019. Which I was told about like as I walked into the apartment and immediately said, you know who I want in it? The Carnies. Uh, yeah, I think that they would be a fantastic choice. Um, Jim Nasty Boys would Jim be Nasty on my boys list. Would be good. The, the Ugly Ducklings. If we're looking Southern tag teams... Um, I've got, obviously, being in the South, I have, like, my people that I'm like, yeah, these are the guys. But then there's um, a lot of Midwest guys um, that I would also like to see involved. My number one choice would be the Work Horseman. Yeah. J.D. Drake, Anthony Henry uh, totally should be in that tournament. I would like to see the current rating and defending PWG Tag Team Champions, the Rascals, in that tournament as well. I would be down with that. Um, the other team that I had thought of that I would really like to see go through would be, I know obviously storylines permitting um, P- for PWX tag team champions, worst case scenario of Ethan Case and Elijah Evans the fourth. I was a big fan of their work. I know a lot of people were. If you're not familiar with them, you should check them out. They are no longer tagging regularly. They kind they've had a longstanding feud. I in best compared on indie levels to Steen and Generico, but with much different pieces to it but that's the kind of the general vibe of the feud but I think they would be just a fun idea on the southeast to bring in speaking of fun tag teams I want to see I would like to see the handicapped heroes of Gregory Iron and uh, Zach Gowan in that tournament I would be here for that Um, let's if we're gonna if we're gonna spitball teams let me uh, throw out two infinity and beyond of Colin Delaney and Cheech Hernandez nice Um, I would like to see uh the team that only exists in my head up until right now, but it's because they look related when I see them wrestle, and that's Matt Cross and Marco Stunt. I want them to be the have the team name Havoc and Son. I'm here for that. Um, if we're going to do Havoc and Son, I would also love to see uh, Jimmy Havoc tag up in this tournament somehow. He's in the States a lot more now. Um, there's a lot of options that you have for the Crockett Cup, I think, because it's a Southern tournament, and I air-quoted that too. But you really have a lot you can draw from all over the country between the teams in CWF Hollywood, CWF Air, or, yeah, CWF Arizona, um, and places like that where you can get these guys. Uh, Rockness Monsters would be another one I'd love to That'd see. That'd be in there. great. PP Ray. PP Ray, exactly. Yep. Um, pretty uh, producer Peter Avalon. My apologies. Whoa, whoa, yeah, and he was he was pretty once. Now he's only a producer. Oh, but I don't know. He's you know we're gonna we're gonna get to some Peter Avalon. He uh, he did wrestle. Um, your your boy uh, Tim Storm, aka Tom Strong. Hey, listen here, listen here. Uh, Tim Storm, uh, former high school teacher, if you didn't know, and he still looks like one. 
Uh, yeah, the the most muscular, like, he looks like he's the gym teacher in a Meatball sequel. <laughs> yes, uh, he looks like, he looks like, uh, if Ben Stiller's character from Heavyweights had, like, an abusive step-parent. <laughs> he, he looks like, uh, the drill sergeant from Animal House aged 20 years and, like, went on an extended Jack Daniels binge. Alright, look, man, I'm right here. You don't have to call me out like that, first of all. But second of all, no, I could definitely agree with that. Uh, but yeah, old, old Tom Strong beat him and made him kiss his feet. Which is just gross. No feet stuff. Like, get out of here there with was feet, feet stuff. There was feet stuff. Um, I mean, Jim Ross poured barbecue sauce on his foot once, I'm pretty sure, so you know. I thought that was Oklahoma making fun of Jim Ross. It might have been. They're the same person. No! Shame on you. We're going to come back to Jim Ross later in the show. Yeah, I mean, but for, Ed for, Ferrara, Jim Ross, whatever, neither of them are relevant in 2018 until this week. <laughs> I slapped one of them for making fun of the other. They're not the same, motherfucker. Um, Hoot's a tough motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We are <laughs> off the rails. Uh, I'm on the rails. I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus. <laughs> this is what I put up with all week long, everyone. This is this was my reward for for taking this for taking this young boy in this wrestle boy. Hey, listen here, I have done the taking in of wrestle boys for many moons, be it Carnies and Wheeler Yuta and whomever at any given moment. So <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can you can live my life. You can walk a mile in my very uncomfortable shoes. Well, there you go, there you go. Um, last... Also, Wheeler Yuta and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams for the uh, Crockett Cup since they're tagging. What's their tag team name? Uh, they were Hot Wheels, which was one of my favorite team names <laughs> in a long time. Uh, of course. Uh, why did I ask? Uh, the Wheeler Williams Wrestling Experience was another name that we had uh, spitballed out there. Um, I don't know. Wheeler Yuta, if y'all don't know him, get to know him because he's real good. He's been to Michinoku Pro. Uh, Actually, Wheeler Yuta's jokes in real life have made has made me more of a fan of Wheeler Yuta. <laughs> I named his uh, Blue Thunderbomb the uh, Jesus Take the Wheeler, which actually was originally named by... Australian friend Liam, who I want to have on the show at some point, and also he does a Hurricane Rana called uh, Wheeler of Fortune, and when I come with up with some dumb head drop for him to do, we'll probably end up calling that one the uh, All Wheeler Drive. Oh my god. Because, you know, bad puns. Or he can do MVP's old finisher and you can call it the Bachman Wheeler Overdrive. That reference is going to go over so many heads, but I love well, it. Well, they ain't seen n- n- nothing yet, because we're going to finish up NWA 70 by talking about the head-scratching decision to put the belt on Nick Aldis again. Uh, I liked the match. It was the match of the night for me. Uh, very interesting finish. He won clean. It does seem like they're setting up for a, a tiebreaker at some point. My guess is in uh, G1 Supercard, Madison Square Garden. That was my guess. The only other thing I could, the only other place I could maybe see them doing it would be Wrestle Kingdom. That's the only other spot I could see it. Um, but That'd be I an interesting place for it because they haven't set up a feud for Cody with the U.S. title yet. So I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, I definitely know what they're going to do." But that is always an option. Um, they may do the Juice rematch at Wrestle Kingdom. I really don't know. They may not do a rematch with him at all. It it really is up in the air. Um, but I definitely would like to see it at G1 Supercard because that's... And I would like to see a cage match probably or something for it because you had outside interference in this from... Uh, Camilla Kane. Camilla Kane and uh, Brandy Rhodes. 
that is a big woman. I think she, that was the one that Slick talked about in Jive Soul Bro that put him threw him on the floor in the figure four. I mean, it's entirely possible. Camilla is lovely. Um, she's that is pre- she's got an presence. Lady, she's yes. got presence far beyond her experience. Incredibly talented. Um, and I really, when I walked into the house um, from being out for the day and saw that she was the insurance policy, I was like, that was a good move. I'm here for that. Yeah. She, I think, was taller than Cody in the heels. I mean, to be fair. I I know, but it definitely sold the fact... That, like, she could, like, make an impact on the show. Oh, yeah. Without question. And uh, it, it did. It played into the finish ultimately before they ended up throwing them and every former NWA champion out of there. Um, Which was just hilarious because like it's one of the situations where in my head like I think about at my job like well they can't fire all of us they can throw all of you out though. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. Um, Yeah it was a bit of an uneven show. I will say that the uh, Willie Mack winning was, was good stuff. Um, match of the night was the main event, which you know, ideally, that's what you want. Uh, so you want the if I'm booking a wrestling show personally, my two best matches on the show should be a super hot, fast paced opener, and like a really good main event. Like that's yeah, that's that's like if I'm fantasy booking a show, and believe me, I have several times. Um, my opener is like a four way or a six way, and it's just move, 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 get the crowd up, and then you go from there. I mean, hell, you've you've been in enough cars with the boys that y'all booked the territory before. I mean, we we've I have fantasy booked a lot of things with a lot of people, and it is always just it it starts serious, and then we just start booking dumb stuff. Like uh, a friend of mine, Ryan um, Ryan Zane, and I today discussed the idea of if Matt Bourne had stuck around longer as Doink and encountered mankind, and the layers that would go into that, and like. The idea of, like, doing, uh, pranking or trapping mankind in a barbed wire trap or something, and you peel away the layers of mankind and get down to McFoley and all this different stuff, and it's really something that I wish would have happened. That's so wild. There, like, they there weren't was, that far off from each other when you really think about it. There was so much missed opportunity with Evil Doink. Yeah, Evil Doink, I mean... Remember when Evil Doink was having banger two out of three falls matches on Raw with Marty Jannetty? And Mr. Perfect. I yeah, actually I saw... The Mr. Perfect one. I actually was witness to a, li- a great live 20-minute-plus house show match between Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning and Matt Bourne as Doink. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and I was also witness to Macho Man Randy Savage versus Giant Gonzalez, and that was the other drizzling shits. I mean, yeah, it's Giant Gonzalez, like... But... Fun fact, my dad flipped him off, and Giant Gonzalez saw him, and then flipped him back off and told him to kiss his fucking ass. Hey. Like, I and was then, eight. It changed me. <laughs> that's why you just yell at random men in gorilla suits now, right? I mean, not wrong. But I often am not wrong. Speaking but by the same token, I am often of gorilla, one of the reasons you came out here is for all of your show attendance and working with the boys and going all over the place. You had never seen Pro Wrestling Gorilla live, and you are a big, big fan. Uh, we used this opportunity to get you to a show, namely to uh, Smokey and the Bandito, which happened last Friday. Yeah, and I got to see uh, a picture of mostly naked Burt Reynolds on the big screen when I walked in, and I was like, well, this is this is where my day's going. Uh, that just lets you know that you were in the right place. I mean, also, yes. 
I mean, it didn't help that I also saw a wrestling ring and wrestlers. That kind of also tipped me off that I was in the right place. But go. definitely the naked Burt Reynolds was where it was at. So, well, also, uh, there were some of us who... Uh, there's there's a minority of fans, of which I am one, who will lean into Halloween-type stuff on the show closest to Halloween. So I showed up as James P. Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully from Monsters Incorporated, and... Um, Ruby, who always sits front row at uh, PWG shows, you can see her on all the the DVDs and the Blu-rays and the live streams and whatnot, uh, showed up as Boo, and it, it was, was adorable. It was the best. Yeah, this show was wild. Like, it was cool getting to see a lot of people I haven't seen since I quit working for companies that shall remain nameless because fuck giving them publicity. <laughs> but if you listen to the old episode, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but no, it was funny um, because a lot of those people know that I lived in Florida and now I'm in Virginia. So some of them, namely Jeff Cobb, like when I got up to him, he was like, oh my God, why are you here? And uh, <laughs> alternatively, uh, the Rascals knew that I was coming. LAX kind of knew that I was coming because I knew them from beyond doubleheaders and things. But it was really cool people being like, oh, oh, you're here. Like it was a nice thing for me because I got to see a lot of people that I know well and just, it was nice because they were always people I had good interac- good interactions with. Whereas, for all the bad I had, I made a lot of good friends out of it. So, and that that was really cool to see. I must say, you know, I some of these guys I I know from seeing them every, you know, I know to a point yeah. anyway from seeing them like every six to eight weeks. Yeah. But it was it was really cool to see you reconnect with some of these guys. And yeah, Jeff Cobb lit up like a kid. Too on wholesome. Too wholesome. Too wholesome Jeff Cobb. My my brother and co-founder of the Pina Colada Mafia, Large Jeffrey. Large Jeffrey. Large Jeffrey, like, I genuinely think the best way you can describe our interaction was to be like, I'm like, oh, hey, hello. And then, like, the the spark came between the two wires in his brain. He's like, oh, oh, you're, you're here. Yeah. And then He's... asked me if I w- went back to working for my former employers, and I was like, Jeffrey, no. No, not no. even a little. You couldn't pay me, and they didn't. <laughs> oh, wrestling. Yay, um, carnies are not the good kind. Yeah, yeah. Um, the show started uh, on time, which is now becoming the norm for PWG, and it's wild, and I love it. Yeah, like, um, I remember always hearing that, like, even from the boys, like, it never started on time. But also, it's independent wrestling, and if you expect it to start on time, you're wrong, and you should feel bad. Well, now we, we get into the building in a timely fashion. Everybody has time to sell merch. Everybody has time to get something to drink, and the show starts promptly at 8. Yeah. So it's wild. I love the Globe Theater. I don't care what anybody says. Um, in a very, very fitting moment, Excalibur came out to Eastbound and Down yes. from the theme to Smokey and the Bandit, and I was fucking screaming Bandit at the top of my lungs because I fucking love that movie. Uh, so my night was already off to a rollicking start from a personal standpoint. Um, there... For the 800th time, he had to say no taping at the shows. There's now officially a zero tolerance policy because people don't get it and can't be respectful. So if you're coming to PWG anytime soon, don't fucking tape shit. Like, I took photos and it was great and it was fine. And one of them turned out to be what's called a live photo on iPhones, if those of you know. And I got, and it basically makes it into a GIF, but no audio, and it was the weird little recording. We're gonna get to that GIF. <laughs> that that's the best damn GIF that's been made in a long time. And I wish I could post it places as a GIF. I may have to send it off to GIF Master Hokai or 
Caden or one of those lovely gents and see what they can do with it. It is truly a gift for all seasons. It is a gift for how I feel about leaving L.A. It is a gift for how I feel about going back to my shoot job and having to deal with stupid people who don't understand that a big hard drive doesn't make a good computer and just... All sorts of stuff. All sorts of fun stuff. And speaking of the devil, because I have hellbent tattooed across my knuckles, like... Speaking of shooting, Trevor Lee. <laughs> Trevor Lee stealing a Trevor Milwaukee Lee's... Brewers uh, scarf and parading around the Globe Theater. And this was one day before the deciding Game 7 of the NLCS that the Dodgers would win. Yeah. but Which um, is weird, because the Dodgers usually dodge victory like it's their job. <sighs> oh, don't worry, the Red Sox will take care of them. I mean, yeah, Go but Sox. remember, the Red Sox also had what, how long of a curse that we can't rely on them all the time. But three titles in 15 years and about to be four, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'm I'll, 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 No, I'm not giving them a hard time. I'm saying, like, you can't just put all the stock in them. It's like putting stock in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I did for many years until I realized I had more family in Cincinnati than I thought and quickly realized who my alliances were with. It's like Jason Mendoza's irrational love of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Blake Bortles. Hey, listen, Blake I just Bortles. made a fucking Good Place reference. I hope everybody enjoyed that for what it was. I've never watched Good Place, but I do appreciate a Blake Bortles reference. It's a funny-ass name. Uh, but no, Trevor Lee comes out. Yes, he takes a brewer scarf from the crowd, parades around with it. Um, he's facing Darby Allen. He shoots so fucking hard on Darby Allen on the mic, just absolutely destroys him. First, starts off by talking about how he is technically the runner-up in Bola because he got beat illegally in 14 seconds by Jeff Cobb and he was never supposed to be in the tournament anyway and so that makes him that makes him the runner-up and he's like why did they put this backyard guy in here against a god of PWG and he's like what <laughs> I think he's like uh, to paraphrase him he's what stupid bullshit did A.R. Fox teach you on the trampoline in his backyard? Because that, that ain't wrestling. A, that was that was almost exactly what uh, old Trev Dog had to say. And it was great. Um, I know Darby really well. And so Darby, he's like, hit me with a chair, Darby, hit me with a chair. Darby teases like he's going to do it, doesn't do it. They go into some crazy sequences. Um, Darby wipes out my seat with a dive. Thankfully, I have moved at this point. You'll see me on, on the fine... Uh, fine video when it releases eight years from now and it's it was a wild match and the finish like i've seen darby do the oh they tied my hands together let me do my stuff blah 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 but the finish was gross he got beeled on his head at one point and like jack was like i saw jack's eyes just like like they were up to his the top of his forehead like and then his jaw was on the ground too. It was very weird skull stretching ability. It, I didn't know he had it. It was it was rough to watch. Um, Darby's comeback with literally his arms literally tied behind his back was insane. I think my favorite one was the first time he did it. He was handcuffed by Ethan Page in a company that shall remain nameless, and he did like the backflip off the corner. He did like a second rope rana with his hands cuffed. He took a power slam off the top yeah. of his hands cuffed behind his back. He did and the I, tope con hello. Yeah, uh, through the through the set top and middle, uh, homicide style or yeah, the, the wrestler and the way he was trying to take Trevor Lee out. Lariat Kojima. Kojima Lariat. If you've never heard that story, um, look up CM Punk's homicide impression. <laughs> they make fun of my former employer. It's fucking great. It's so good. Um, but yeah, his comeback was absolutely incredible. However, uh, Trevor 
won. Uh, you know, Trevor's been winning a hell of a lot more since he's been losing, and he's been lobbying for a PWG World Title shot for months. Yeah, he uh, he busted out the uh, the double stomp while Darby's hands are behind his back, and I swear I thought he was gonna crush his wrist. It was gross. Yeah, and then he pinned him real deep. Like it was, he was basically sitting on his face. Let's call a spade a spade here from my angle. Yep, yep. And then somewhere, somewhere in the uh, in the Mid Atlantic area, without knowing why, Chip Day got a little wistful. Oh, be nice, Chip. <laughs> Just uh, a little. <laughs> he never sits on my face like that. No, well, maybe it's because you don't no. ask, Chip Day. Maybe it's because you don't ask. <laughs> No, Chipper and Trevor are good friends, but no, not, they're not that good of friends. I mean, anyway. So I then, don't even know this guy and he's going to hate me. He'll never hear this. Um, <laughs> um, it, was, it was a good opener, though. It was, it was a definitely the, a good PWG-style opener. Uh, what, the about wild, 14 minutes? Yeah, the wild shit with his hands behind his back was was a nice touch on that. We rolled right from that into something also crazy. And I was very excited for this because um, it was Ray Horace versus Flamita versus a wrestler you had never watched before and one that I'm very fond of, Puma, Puma King. King, the so coolest cat. I didn't watch because once I was going to go back and watch some of this stuff once I found out he was coming to Bola and then I booked this trip and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go in blind to him because that seems like a good idea. I also went in blind to Hechicero other than one spot that he does. And it was it made it very worth it because I'll be the first to admit I'm not well versed in Lucha and the Lucha guys. So this was like a really pleasant thing. He Puma King is awesome. I love it. He comes out to uh, You Give Love a Bad Name. It's it's a whole adventure. Um, he, is, he is a great mix of a very good well-realized charismatic character and good work in the ring. Yeah, and he does the grossest top rope powerbomb in history. <sighs> like, I, I don't even know like how I can describe it. You'll know it when you see it. It's... Actually, I've, I now have a name for that. I just thought of this. Uh, the Lift and Dirty Dancing. The, the, this powerbomb yes. shall now forever be known. Puma King's finisher is now known as the Patrick Swayze Bomb. Yeah. The Swayze Bomb. Swayze Bomb, because it, it too, leaves someone dead. Oh, oh God. That's too much, man. <laughs> I'm a bad person. Oh. The internet already hates me for things but, that didn't happen, so it's fine. Whatever, man. The, the, but no, he, the Swayze he pops Bomb. Him up for the lift, the lift like Dirty Dancing, and then just, like, pendulums them down and catches their legs, so it's loosely fined as a power bomb, but it's mostly just murdering someone. <sighs> the Swayze Bomb. It's so beautiful. And so scary. Uh, yeah, at like, the same time. I, I think I watched your butthole tighten like four times as he went for it. The, the the final one, the final one that finished that ultimately finished this match, and we're not doing it justice, but because it was it was a mile a minute. Yeah. Uh, these guys you did know, all of the moves. Is, is, they is, sure is. did. Um, it was very it was very successful lucha ing. Um, there was one crazy thing where I believe Puma King had Ray Horace up in a vertical suplex. And then Flamita came in and gave Puma King he, a German. He sure and did. I was just like, what? Like, I watch a lot of wrestling. I have watched a lot of wrestling, and I was just, oof. Yeah, I will say Flamita's stock has been steadily rising. I mean, not not the meteoric style of Bandito, but it's been... But Flamita's been doing this, doing this more notably a lot longer than Bandito as well. Like, 
I remember people in 2014 being like, Flamita's the guy. He had that killer match with Susumu Yokosuka on May 5th, 2014. Matt Richards will correct me on that at some point if he ever hears this, because Matt Richards knows all things. Um, I thought Rob Naylor knew all things. Rob Naylor also does know all things, but... Matt Richards is the knower of all Japanese things. Rob Naylor could tell you what Buzz Sawyer had for dinner the night of the last Battle of Atlanta. It was probably food that he stole from somebody. I mean, yeah. That's a very, Rob Buzz, knows, like, that's a Rob, very Buzz Sawyer thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it's carny as fuck. Yeah. Um, actually, cheap plug if you uh, for my sponsors. If you want to listen to an amazing story about Buzz Sawyer ripping off The Undertaker and then The Undertaker fighting him years later when he got into the business. Uh, go go listen to True Wrestling Fables. They just did a story on that recently, and I fucking loved it. But I would definitely go check that out. TrueWrestlingFables.com uh, Also, the fine folks that run WrestleCrate and Lapel, yeah, and sponsored this show. Go listen to that story. That was one of my favorites recently. Um... So now that now that I've gotten a cheap plug out of the way and yeah, um, also paid homage to the dirtbag nature of Buzz Sawyer. You mean the dirtbag nature of wrestling as a whole, to be perfectly honest? Can it be both? I mean, also, yes. It can be both. Uh, but yeah, so the Swayze bomb from the top puts down Ray Horace. Puma King wins. Crowd goes nuts. Uh, there is a pose with a giant Mexican flag and it rains money in the Globe Theater once again. That was not the last time it would rain money because, oh my god, uh, but we have another match before that comes. We'll get there. I really enjoyed, your mileage may vary, there was there was a drunken asshole. In the balcony uh, above my head. He literally looked like a boiled potato and his head was the pimple. Um, and he, when he wasn't cursing at Zack Sabre Jr., he was yelling at me for my Halloween costume. So if that person's listening, however unlikely it may be, I want to tell you... You literally look like a one of those white hot dogs that became sentient and bloated with water. You can go fuck yourself because nobody else is going to. Zach yelled at him. We won't get into the accents or how he yelled at him, but Zach told, called him a cunt. Um, Actually, I'll, I'll do an impression. No, of we're it. good. We're good on that. Uh, let's follow. Fuck up off, with... mate. I'm working. You cunt. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was basically it. Uh, <laughs> Zach, the goodest noodle. Um, the, the best noodle boy, as you called him. I do, because he is lanky like a noodle and great at everything. I purposely went in blind to Hechicero because I had heard such good things about his wrestling. And I really enjoyed it. I feel like the crowd was a little taken out of it because you went from a mile a minute to a mile the whole match. Um, I love that style. and I do too, but I think the crowd was a little deflated on it at that yeah. point. And if you had put that... If you had reshuffled the second half of the card, I could have seen it there. Um, this match brought us the greatest gift that has ever been made of <laughs> Zack with machine gun middle fingers at Hechicero yeah. as he was making his entrance. Yeah, that and uh, honorable mention to the picture I got of Hechicero looking like he'd stepped out of a goddamn like monster movie. Yeah. Like he was getting ready to fight El Santo and lead an army of the undead. Uh, the, I just traded in my phone within the last two weeks and got a Note 9, and I cannot put over enough the amazing photo quality. If you follow me on Twitter, at Jack Heartless, you probably saw some of the photos from PWG. It was the first time I got to test it out as a show. And boy, oh boy, I think that photo of Hechicero might have been the best photo I got all night. Yeah, that was up there. Like I, said, I took some stuff with my uh, iPhone 10. I don't have Twitter anymore, 
but inevitably they will go up on the uh some of them have gone up on the instagram uh including one very bloody uh murder dad tim thatcher yeah, and uh, it's our good friend uh, Daniel DeMarco over at the Indie Corner. Uh, by the way, totally go read his stuff. He's a friend of the show. He's been on the show. Uh, does a great job. He compared Hechicero uh, a bit to Timothy Thatcher, but with a smoother mat wrestling style that's more akin to Saber. Yeah, that's that's a good example because Thatcher, you have that kind of gruff, like he's your dad's friend that drinks a lot of beer but doesn't really talk a lot. Um, it's very... Thatcher's a very good mat wrestler, but he's very he he incorporates striking into his groundwork yeah. a lot more. So like he's, your knees to the ribs, your elbows, things like that. Yeah. Whereas Hechicero was just like gliding over the canvas. And for such a big guy. Yeah, he's he's no this is no small man. He's not like Zach size. Like he's true got some heavyweight. Meat on his bones. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like put I would, him in there with like Okada. I'll pay dollars for that. I would like to see a rematch between these two. Maybe give them um, two out of three falls. Yeah, I, I would like to see more from these guys. Uh, Hechicero got a very deserved please come back chant. I was yeah. kind of trying to lead the charge on that, quite honestly. Um, he did that that spot, the only one you've seen him do. Uh, spinning backbreaker, the, yeah. The chicken wing, you know, the hammerlock spinning backbreaker. He look, it looked like Ken Patera back in the day with the swinging full Nelson. Yeah. And then he dropped him into a backbreaker, and it looked disgusting. It also helps that Zach is all of, like, eight pounds <laughs> and would probably be taken away by a light breeze. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was real good. I love that Zach is now putting people down with regularity with the, with the with European clutch. That wasn't even the European clutch. That was the... Oh. Uh, the Backbridge deal, that the European okay. clutches won't the crazy one he beat Adam Cole with in his gorilla debut. That's right. Uh, which one's the the prawn hold? The the I don't know if he has a name for it. Um, I assume it's the uh, I assume it's the the pin where I put out my middle fingers because that's what, that's what I thought it was because that's what he beat Hechicero with here. Yeah, that, well, that's what I'm saying. That's the that's not the prawn hold. That's just the, I'm gonna bridge on my head and do noodle things. But yeah. Um, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the build to the finish. Uh, it was good stuff. If you're a fan of Matt Wrestling, I think you'll like this one. I know I am. And, uh, yeah, I would recommend it. Then we get to the match of the night by a mile. Whew. Good God. I lost my voice yelling about this match because what the fuck? Bandito versus Phoenix is, far and away, unequivocally, the best match I've ever seen live from a crap from sitting in the crowd perspective that's yeah. i mean that, that covers some ground um they did every move you could think of and moves you've never seen before they're like i know destroyers are played out but they did one in this match okay that is the damnedest thing i ever did see jim Cornette would fucking shit his britches how how do we describe this because uh, the only point of reference i have is is that amazing time in ROH where Matt Seidel popped from the ground right onto Claudio's shoulders and then dropped down and gave him a Rana. But this was a step beyond that because... Well, the other comparison is uh, Quack and Claudio TPI where yeah. uh, Quack gets popped up. He's like balancing himself on Claudio's hands, basically, that are like in open prayer for me or like like he's ha- asking for money with his hands open mm-hmm. and quack gets quack got popped and stood there but then 
Phoenix goes from there and into a destroyer, and it's just... You cannot do it justice with our words. Like, I cannot stress this highly enough. Like, it was insane. Yeah, it was... It was absolutely out of control. This was not your standard uh, lucha contest. Uh, they it, beat the shit out of each other. They really... They were throwing leather. And at one point, they got a standing ovation because they were just chopping and slapping the fuck out of one another. Uh, like, Phoenix didn't even come out to sell merch. I think he was so banged up. Yeah. Oh, Phoenix tight-walking the top rope for that Rana. I got that I got that as a gift, too, because oh, I am a crafty boy. Boy. Uh, just a wild match. Um... The yeah the destroy the uh, dueling destroyers at one point got a huge reaction. Uh, th- there was stuff you've never quite seen before in this one. Uh, and then Bandito's ba- how Bandito finished him. The I don't, deadlift package pile driver. It was, I think it is wasn't the best even like a package pile driver. It was like a deadlift dump him on his head thing from like a weird half cradle. I don't even have again another thing that like I legitimately don't have a frame of reference for because I don't know what it was supposed to be. He should go full Masawa and no matter what he was trying to do, make sure to give it a name and make it like his super finisher. That would be, because he gave him the for those of you who watched uh, the last Reseda show that they did he did the, uh, he did like a torture rack off the top into like a swing out face buster going down. Yeah. He did that off the, and then did this crazy deadlift thing and it was just death. Like, my neck hurt thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would that would explain why you've had a stiff neck all weekend. Yeah, because I'm secretly Phoenix. That's that's absolutely what it is. I mean, I can see it. Yeah, can you? I mean, I I've got a few more tattoos than he does, but I digress. Yeah. Then we go to intermission, and then we come back with uh, Big Strong Boys, Brody King versus Tim Thatcher. Yeah, well, first of all, let's address the fact that the match was so good. They knew going in there was nothing that could follow it. So we actually had more closer to like a 20-plus minute intermission rather than the standard 10. Yeah. <laughs> they really had to give some time for that to marinate. Yeah, and, and marinate it did. Like a good steak. Yeah. Um, I. You'll hear a lot of complaints um, from folks right now about PWG and the rollover in talent. Whereas I think this is one of my favorite periods in the history of the promotion. I love that it's in true three-ring circus fashion. I like that the big heavyweights um, have found foothold. It bring in the Haas fights. Uh, we got luchas and different subsets of lucha luchadors now. Um, and you've got your mat wrestlers. And this was this was a brawl, and it was absolutely meant to be one. Yeah, Thatcher versus Brody King was a match I was looking forward to going into it. I know that uh, Brody is one of my favorites locally. I get to see him a little more often than the other guys. Um, in fact, I was I was talking about my new day job with him uh, before the show. Hilariously and how fucking monolithic and intimidating it can be. But I love it nonetheless. Um, and then... We talked about Brody just being like, oh, yeah, I flew here, 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 and here in the last week and a half. So I want nothing but success for that guy. He's a good guy. Brody's Um, awesome. Tim Thatcher, probably one of the two people that I wanted to reconnect with that I didn't get a chance to because Tim's antisocial and doesn't. Like, Tim doesn't talk to people. 
he just exists and eats whole rotisserie chickens by himself. That's like his life. He wears the hell out of a cowboy hat, though. He sure does. Can that be the show image? Or, no, we, that can't be the show image. It, it might have to be. It's so good. It's it, neck it's, and neck. It's very good. The only other... Th- I introduced the Captain Jack Heartless to is the this, dankest this... of memes. Oh, uh, my God. Uh, <laughs> only, like, one person that may listen to this will know what I'm referring to. But it is uh, It is a picture of Shawn Michaels circa the 90s. 93. 93, and... Hold on, let me... It's, huh. It looks like an old, like, romance novel cover. It does. And it says, I was born to fight God in Karate Chop Society in the Boner. <laughs> Which, I won't say who I sent it to, but I sent it to somebody currently employed by the World Wrestling Federation. You sent it to a WWE superstar, yes. An employee of the World Wrestling Federation. Yes. And I said, show him. Because I want Shawn Michaels <laughs> to see this. Because, oh my god, it would be incredible for him to, to like, rebuke it in the name of God. <laughs> you you are you do realize you're trying to get your friend fired. I do realize that uh, he, if that gets him fired, he was on the knife to start with. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Also, um, a Carl Winslow is an excellent, excellent character, and I think we should all appreciate him more. Yes, I'll never forget what he did at Nakatomi Plaza. He was a fucking legend, hero. That's that's the place we didn't take you. Is Nakatomi Plaza? I'm a terrible friend. I somebody uh, Brandon was there today, and I was real or drove past it, and I was really like, man, I could have gone full Jake Peralta about this. You you could have, and I actually I feel like a shitty friend. I failed you. It's okay. I might try and go tomorrow. That that'd be good. But my flight doesn't leave till midnight. That's true. But Thatcher versus King was wild for a couple reasons. The first of is, um, at one point Brody dumps Thatcher and he like clears the top rope and almost does like a somersault drop kick and his feet hit poor Dave right in the poor beverages. rich Dave perfectly in the chest, a blue drink, an adios motherfucker in one hand, a Dosekis in the other spills, spills all both. over him and he had the saddest look on his face and almost as if on cue you and I both leaned forward and did our best Simon and Garfunkel and sang hello darkness my, my old friend. friend Tim Thatcher's on the floor again it just out of nowhere and it was like, such a perfect knew. moment and everybody around him was howling after that but he was still so sad about being absolutely covered in various he kinds of booze fucking wasted I, uh, yeah he was but I mean that was probably a good fifteen dollars down the drain between the, those two the drinks. The Adios motherfucker was fifteen dollars in itself. Oh my god, was it? Which is why I got one for free, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, brother!" Okay, wow. Um, Who's a tough motherfucker? <laughs> That's too expensive, motherfucker. That's like six double cheeseburgers, extra onion, extra tomato, no mayo. I say no mayo because that shit's gross. Hey, I'm from the south. Don't you talk shit about mayonnaise? That's like, that's this like, is my show and my studio. Listen here, you California avocado eating motherfucker. So what about it? Why do you eat green mush? I don't get it. Because the green mush is better than the white mush. <laughs> the green mush is better than the white mush. The white mush is better than the brown mush. The brown mush is better than the black well, mush. Well, this has already gone off the rails that not even my nose can get back on. And, uh... <laughs> And quite frankly, okay. um, 
The most, the other important thing we're leaving out about Thatcher is bleeding everywhere. I don't looking know. Looking like a goddamn man. I don't know what Brody hit him with, but Tim came up looking absolutely terrifying, and he was like, he leaned into it and was like, "That's the end of this bullshit." Fujiwara armbar. Fuck you. Go home. Yeah, Tim. Uh, Tim wasn't. I can almost assure you that Tim was more like. Well, I suppose this is just the the side effects of my profession. <laughs> and my best Tim Thatcher. I don't know if I told this story uh, in my other I feel like on. he's secret, secretly the Edward R. Murrow of professional wrestling. I mean, maybe. But uh, <laughs> one time we had someone convinced that Tim was a kindergarten teacher. And Tim was like, <laughs> and Tim was like well, I make, for the final exam, I make the children cytosuplex each other until one of them can't stand and that child passes. And it was just the damnedest thing because, like, Tim is the most deceptively funny person in the world. See, I love all these stories because I've only ever heard Tim Thatcher actually utter words one time. One time only. And that was when I was at at 2.30 in the morning, my first night in New Orleans back in April, as I'm watching the main event of Beyond Wrestling's Lit Up. Oh, he was wrestling Tony Storm. He was wrestling Tony Storm. And there were not a lot of people there. It was real late. But I was right up front, and somebody on the other side of the ring yelled, I hate you, Tim Thatcher. And he literally stopped, looked at them, and went, I hate you too. And then the whole. Yeah, and the whole crowd chanted, It talks, it talks, at Tim (laughs) Thatcher. And it was one of my favorite moments of the entire weekend. And, and, And the thing, it can't be. It's like Tim Thatcher's a guy who, if you haven't seen his match with Walter from Progress, why? It's. His bola, his bola match is better. Yes, I just went Does there. Does he also get chopped in the fucking forehead in that one? Uh, he got chopped everywhere. Yeah. Uh, there's a point in the progress match where it's chop, chop, Tim puts his forearms up to block, and Walter's like, stupid mortal, and just chops him in the forehead. Because, you know, Walter, da god. Um, I, I am of the opinion, maybe it was because I was there live, but Walter versus Thatcher from... Bola Night 2 was magnificent. Well, when it comes out in 2013, or 2030, sorry, I can say words, I swear, um, I will see it and I will give my opinions. Fair enough. That's why you gotta try to go to these shows live, you guys. It's totally worth it. Well, you know, I can't fly 2,500 miles every weekend, believe me. I would just move into your apartment at that point. Fair. Um, Yeah, so bleeding all over the place, spitting blood, wiping it all over himself. Thatcher, like, screaming into the void like a caveman wins this uh, match. If we're going to say caveman, other Thatcher story that has been passed down from generation to generation, Boston Market. Picture, y'all. If you don't know what Boston Market is... Dig if you will a picture. (laughs) Dig if you will a picture. Um, Tim Thatcher orders an entire rotisserie chicken. The, uh, The people behind the counter say... Well, would you like that? Would you like that cut? And he replied, "Well, I'm with people, so I suppose yes." <laughs> As only <laughs> young Timothy can. Oh my God! What a treasure! <laughs> Tim Thatcher is a national treasure, and I'm mad that he's Germany's national treasure now. Um. Oh. As, since we're completely in Tim Thatcher story territory, I forgot to tell you this. Um. I got to pal around a little bit and talk to Walter at Bola, and he told me that not only did he and Tim Thatcher get to go see Ailstorm, uh, the best pirate metal band that ever existed, uh, the day before day one of Bola, 
they both went they had a great time and they Vulture was laughing over a giant uh, one of the band members wearing a giant shark head and parading around on stage the postscript to that is uh, Florence uh, formerly of the No Sell It podcast and now an accomplished synthwave uh, performer and producer of her own had a show in that same venue two nights later and she said, texted me, and she was like, is Vulture with you? And I said, why? And she sends me a picture, and it's the shark head sitting backstage. And she said, because the shark head is still here. And I showed it to Vulture, and he starts laughing. He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, that's great. Can she get it? <laughs> because, of course, Vulture wants a giant shark head to fly back to Germany. I with. don't know that he necessarily wanted it. But he wanted to know what happened to it, certainly. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the the tech guys were having so much fun with it backstage at that venue, they were not going to give it up for anything. They were just wearing it, taking turns wearing it, running in circles. Mania Weekend Orlando, and I think he was in New Orleans as well, Shark Saber Jr. made an appearance, and it was great. Oh, Shark Saber Jr. Oh, Shark Saber Jr. Yes. So, um, next, your buddies, the Rascals. Actually... Yeah. Everybody's buddy. Here, I'm wearing their shirt right now. Buy it. Buy the Halloween edition because yeah. they look demonic on it, and it's great. Um, and they took on Friends of the Steel Cage, uh, yep. our guests at WrestleCon this year. LAX, who also I'm, formerly known as EYFBO, also formerly known as probably something else. Oh, Team, Team Pazuzu. Pazuzu. Yep. Um, with Dickinson, Jocka, and allegedly at one time, though nobody really talks about it, Pinky Sanchez. Yeah, I love Pinky. But no, um, they were, they killed it. Um, there was an attempt- two of the best tag teams in the world. I will go yeah, on record. I will. I will put my money on LAX and the Rascals being. If the Bucks decide to retire tomorrow, these are the two teams that could take up the mantle of best tag team in the world. With ease, like with absolute ease. Yeah, this is the second time I've been lucky enough to see LAX wrestle live. The first. Uh, live experience I got with them is they faced off against uh, the Mac and Killshot at uh, Impact versus Lucha in New Orleans, and that was the match of the night at that show too. Uh, you know, any any other show but one that featured that Bandito Phoenix epic, this would have been the match of the night. I would I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, great showing from LAX. Uh, the Rascals end up retaining, I believe, with the uh, the UFO cutter from Zach. Um, or no, they did the the Baywood bomb, which is his swanton, yeah. and the final flash from Desmond Xavier, which is the spiral tap for those of you AJ Styles fans from his pre-Fed era. Yeah, they uh, balls to the wall for nineteen minutes. They did. Um, God, LAX. I can't stress to you if you get the chance to see Santana and Ortiz work live in your town, you gotta fucking do it because the nuances and some of the stuff that they do and say in the ring the little things are so good these guys are superstars they're so fucking polished and great and they have such great handles on their characters and everything they do um i've a huge fan of what they do and I, i felt like this was such a good pairing and it actually before they even announced the crockett cup uh, something I wanted to talk about on this show is we have so many good tag teams in and around PWG now that DDT do, should come back. I feel like DDT should come back. Yeah, I mean, and it would also be an opportunity to bring in a couple of teams like that we don't normally have in PWG. Absolutely. For example, like I would, I would be all for like some UK teams getting in there. Yeah, 
Like, if off the top... You can't do, like, Mustache Mountain or any of them because they're signed with uh, the World Wrestling Federation. But you've got uh, you've got teams like Nothing to Prove, which is a faction in Attack Wrestling. And I would probably pick, like, Drew Parker and Eddie Dennis to represent that. Though Eddie's with the Fed as well. So maybe Chuck Mambo and Drew Parker or something like that. Oh, I would love to see Chuck Mambo. Hey, uh, Mambo. Um, I'm trying to think. There's a couple other UK teams that I would be... The, um, the teams I would pick... Um, I, I would probably go Penta and Phoenix, uh, Bandito and Flamita, the Rascals, of course, because they're the champions. I would bring back LAX. Uh, I would. I would bring back Team Tremendous. Well, if we can get uh, if we can get Bill to stop making the trains run on time long enough, I would be all about that. Um, um, Havoc you have, and Haskins. Uh, that would be great because Havoc has never been to PWG. Despite and he is openly him. on video asked Excalibur why. I didn't realize that happened. Um, by the way, the offer still stands, uh, James, that uh, I I will take you to Cloak and Dagger to meet Davey Havoc if you come to Wrestle Pro Wrestling Gorilla. That that is a standing offer. Uh, other tag team wise, like if you're gonna if I'm gonna voice my my belief that the Carnies would be a team I would love in PWG, even if for one even if for one night. Um, That'd be real interesting. Um, the I would I would love Hot Wheels uh, to be part of that. Um, uh, Trevor Lee bringing in Caleb Conley. Yeah, uh, cult, do the Cult of Lee. Um, yep. Caleb Conley is a guy who I will sing the praises of forever because everyone thinks of him just as like, oh, he was a Gabe guy, blah, blah, blah. No, Caleb is great. He's in Impact. I hope more people realize how good he is. Uh, I can dig it. I can dig it for sure. Um, I'm also, also, uh, Ishimori and Robbie Eagles. Yeah, let's bring them in. They're both pe- they've both been to Gorilla before. They sure um, have. Uh, I would also not be opposed to Shima and T Hawk coming back. Um, yep. I would. I wouldn't hate um, if we're gonna look at the Dragon Gate perspective. Uh, Big R Shimizu and Ben K representing Red. Um, that would be really good. You could bring in like. Some kids from Mochizuki Dojo. You could if do... you bring in Red and don't bring back Pac, there will be an open riot. Yeah, but I'm well. I'm saying in the tag team perspective, Big sure. R and Bankay because they're former Open the Twin Gate champions. Fair enough. The whole situation would work really well, and then yeah. you could have Pac on top challenging the winner of our final match of the night and new Pro Wrestling Guerrilla World Champion, Large Jeffrey Jeff Cobb. Now, this, I was certain Volter was going to retain coming into this but then uh you know kind of i got the vibe it was a little more even and more of a pick em as as we got closer to the match i was certain on Cobb um to play a little inside baseball because he signed a ring of honor i didn't think they were gonna let that let him lose strictly because if you remember 2014 when trevor lee pinned michael elgin and the shit storm surrounding that from ring of honor officials um that has not been as big of a concern in recent years I mean, you notice Dalton Castle still went over Joey Janela last time Dalton was here when he was Ring of Honor champion, which made no sense to me as well. Yeah, but I mean, Joey was fine. Uh, yeah. It was it was psychosis that, that did him in, sadly. Joey Janela, you are a lovely human. I cannot wait to see you back, and when you recover, it will be glorious. Yeah, so um, actually looking forward to uh, paying him a quick uh, visit when he runs uh, LA Confidential here in in town at the Hi-Hat. I have tickets for that and I'm very excited. Yeah, so. um, I'm I am a big proponent of GCW as a whole 
Jack is not a deathmatch guy. I am quite a bit because I'm not going to sit here and watch two guys just beat each other with weapons, but the creativity that deathmatch wrestling has now and when someone does it well, they do it really well. Marcus Crane said it best recently. He was like, if you think you're not a good wrestler, you're just going to get into deathmatches to try and... and because that's an option for you, don't do it. That's There is an art to deathmatches. Some people don't like it, and that's okay. Different strokes for different folks. But GCW has consistently, in the last two years, been putting on banger after banger. Uh, Matt Tremont and Nick Gage did 48 minutes, and the story they told through it was incredible. It's because you think about it and you story, oh, this guy's been beaten down, beaten down. These, It's that to another extreme. Um, I have some friends in the New Jersey area who go to pretty much every GCW show, and they tell me that it is an atmosphere like no other I mean, sure, there's, like, ga- glass flying and stuff, but, you know, whatever. Hazards of being a fan. You have to be around sweaty neckbeards at PWG sometimes. So, like, it's, it's again, different stroke for different folks. Fair. And I'll, I'll have to take your word for it. I'm a You're bit... Not, because, and the other thing is, GCW is not just a deathmatch company. There are some really good wrestling matches there. Uh, Joey Janela and Teddy Hart had a crazy match there that, like, has to be seen to be believed. I really liked Joey's match with Jinsei Shinzaki recently. That was very good. Um, I really like Jinsei Shinzaki in everything. Yes, I agree. Uh, had a hand in helping train Wheeler Yuta when he went on excursion to Michinoku Pro. Sweet. I gotta, I gotta. If I ever actually meet Wheeler in person, I gotta ask him for his best Jinsei Shinzaki stories as a result because that's he, exciting. He that's exciting. Uh, this match was also another really good match. This was a really strong card. I felt like they kept the the juju that they had all through Bola, which I contend was the best overall Bola tournament I've ever seen. Uh, That's what I've years. heard as well, and I have watched every Bola since 07 and went back and watched 05 and 06. So. Uh, yeah, this one, Yeah, I think you're, uh, when the video comes out, in, on New Year's Eve 2039, I think everybody's going to be very, very happy indeed with what they see. Uh, Jeff Cobb with a quarter Nelson. Uh... Yeah, the three quarter Nelson uh, pin. He went. He went back to the his Olympic days for the win here. And it was great. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was good to see. It was good to see a bowl of victory parlayed into the title because we haven't seen it the last two years. Uh, or no, we did see it. La- we saw it last year with Ricochet. But we didn't see it with uh, with the villain. Well, I guess we saw it with Zach too, but not on his first shot for it. So there's a lot of it, it was really just a great show. Like I loved it. It's the most fun I've ever had at a wrestling show because it was the first time where in two and a half years, well, uh, or in three and a half years, because I've been I worked for my former employers from May of 2015 to June of 2017, and I've gone to a few shows since I left. But like. I've always felt like I had to be doing something or working or helping someone with something. This was the first show I could sit back and just love and enjoy and have a great yeah. time with. I thought that the way they put together, uh, before we finish talking about PWG, and I'm so glad you had a good time um, at this show. It, it really it really made me happy that I was able to follow through on the experience I've told you about live so many times. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting choice that instead of it just being a straight-up Haas fight, it was Walter dominating and Cobb fighting from underneath. Which works really well because while they're both larger guys, Walter had a height advantage on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the near fall for when he finally hit the tour of the island yeah, but was... couldn't cover him right away, 
everybody went nuts for that. I screamed, cover that man! Because deep down inside, I just want to be a commentator. The problem is I'd say too much mean shit, and I would not be allowed <laughs> to talk about people. Well, I, I mean... I mean, I feel like... I feel like, uh... Sterling started out where you are, and now look at him. Sterling, I mean, yeah. Sterling's fantastic. Shout out to Sterling Richards. I love that man. But uh, a great commentator for freelance, and you should go check them out. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the uh, the match itself was just very well put together. It was a very interesting stylistic choice to have Vulture just continue his path of dominance through this match and then get caught with, the, with a, a wrestling move to win it. Uh, and Cobb kept it short and sweet, said thank you. He is on an incredible role. He is the APW Heavyweight Champion, the ROH World Television Champion, and now the PWG World Champion. Cobby Three Belts. Cobby Three Belts. We now have the title of our episode. He's going I to... was really thinking that, you were, that our episode title was going to be a karate chopping society in the dick, but also this. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I, it might be, I was born to fight God Karate Chop Society of the Boner. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there, we, we'll spitball some ideas, um, before I go off on my escapades this evening. So, um, yeah, what a great show. Very excited you got to see it live. Um, another one in just a string of really can't miss shows here in 2018. I feel like the... The build to Bola with the emergence of Bandito and the dominance of Walter, and, uh, and watching Sammy Guevara die, which is something I yeah. would pay a lot of dollars for always. And also uh, Matt Riddle leaving the indie scene, kind of setting Jeff Cobb free to go on a tear. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, as many of you will know, the Bro is in uh, the World Wrestling Federation now, and their next brand, and it is tremendous. He is tremendous. Riddle is. As good a dude as you're ever gonna meet. Like I cannot I fucking say good love about. Matthew Riddle. What a I, guy. Uh, his original idea for his next team was Matthew Middle, and thank God <laughs> he didn't go with that. <laughs> how high was he when he came up with that? I don't know. How wet is water? You can't ever I decide mean, what that amount was, is. Was he I, mushroom tattoo high? Because that's mean, a level of high I mean, that I can't fathom. I, I don't want to say because I've no. I know Matt very well. I don't know how high he was. But it was more spitballing as a joke, and I'm just really glad. <laughs> What's Raffy Middle doing in the Impact Zone? <laughs> in, the, in the Impact? No, that's gonna be a uh, brother Raffy Middle Cage Button the Third. Jesus Christ! Uh. But no, um, th- it was he's tremendous. Uh, he will be sorely missed on the Indies, but he will be making a lot of money for his wife and three kids to live off of, which is What's good. Cobry Jeffers doing in the Impact Zone? Oh, God. Oh, that, name, that name is terrible. TNA would absolutely do that. <laughs> Actually, Impact's been really good. No, Impact like has been really good, months. but really good does not excuse Claire Lynch. No, never. Not you know even. what else that you can't excuse? Everything they did from, like, 06 to now. Yeah. I feel like since Callis and Scott Demore took over, it's been really good. Yeah, Scott um, Demore is incredible. He, he is. He's, he's, uh, he's an old-school guy that can appreciate new talent. And yeah, that's, and appreciate the new way of doing things. Yep, and Callis' time away from the business, I think, really helped him. Because uh, he could watch as a fan. Yeah, and absolutely. So he gets to take his time in the business and also compare couple it with the stuff that he really likes from calling New Japan and now calling Impact. I feel like they've done a great job. Um, won't get into that too much, but it does play into what we want to talk about next, and that 
there is a rumor floating around. Uh, don't know how substantiated it is, but it is the last thing we're going to talk about on this week's episode of Captain Jack's Armbar Emporium that uh, a billionaire is working with a couple of Hall of Famers to possibly launch a promotion in 2019 or 2020. Yeah, they, uh, uh, they gave it a loose uh, a loose title of BSPW, and I'm interested to see... What does that stand for? Barbecue Sauce Pro Wrestling. Oh my god, I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> um, so that obviously tells you that Jim Ross was one of the uh, parties spoken to. Uh, Chris Jericho's name was thrown about. Uh, some, play, some sources even went so far as to say this will be the product that the elite boys go off to take part in when their contracts expire. And by that, they meant everybody from Kenny to Cody to the Bucks to Adam Page. I forgot that Adam Page was technically part of the elite boys. He is, and his contract's going to be up too. Oh, look at him go. So apparently he Hopefully turned down an offer from... Hopefully in that time he can work on getting that shooting star off the apron to uh, look better. He scares me every time he does it. Yeah, he's, I'm afraid he's gonna like snap his own neck. Yeah, it's um, not like he does the he does a shooting star very well, but it's always just like a headbutt. And I'm I've like, always called it the shooting star headbutt as yeah. a result. Well, um, Jeff Cobb does the standing shooting star headbutt. He does. Cobbry Jeffers. Actually, I call I I call that Cobbry Jeffers uh, the the dolphin salt because <laughs> he looks he looks like Flipper in midair. It's so graceful. I've never told him that to his face, but I kind of hope he, after that, he called, laughs and calls it the Dolphin Salt from now on. Hey, uh, Super Delphin probably has a move called the Dolphin Salt, so let's, uh... Super let's... Delphin is awkward as fuck. Super... I just made a Super Delphin reference in 2018. You did. Actually, I just uh, insulted uh, Super Delphin in 2018. I'm gonna no, get so actually, much heat. Uh, Mr. QQ Toyonaka Dolphin, Naoki Tanizaki, probably has a Dolphin Salt as well. Oh, that's true. If you've, but, ever, if you've never heard the story of why he was forced to be named that for a while, um, go search your Naoki Tanizaki stuff, because it's as wacky as you could possibly imagine. Thanks, Japan. Is it is it funnier than the origins of He Did the Deal? <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that, because my plan tonight is to also do the deal. Oh my god. So... Thank you, Chris. Big shout out to Chris Hero and again to Rob Naylor for teaching us the via the magic of YouTube the origins of he, he did, did the, the deal. deal. He hit the Falcon Arrow. No one kicks out of it. <laughs> I'm not gonna ruin it for you. Just go watch Just, that video. It's, it's you'll you won't regret it's, it, but you'll also be disgusted by my saying my plan was to do the deal with you. Um, it's Chris. It's from the Chris Hero 2016 retrospective DVD, which is fantastic. I'm not sure if it's on the streaming portions of the High Spots Network. It is yet. on the streaming portions of High Spots Network because I have. That's where I originally watched it, and that's why I couldn't remember what the origins of uh, Thurman Sparky Plugs finish was. There you go. But uh, that definitely, was his finish, right when he was Sparky Plug was the Falcon Arrow. I don't remember. Probably because he got his ass whipped so many times. He never hit his finish. Yeah. Although I can't wait, speaking of that, I can't wait for Brody King to beat the unfortunate middle-aged crisis tattoo off of him. <laughs> that was my name for it, and I'm so <laughs> proud that it has stuck. Um, if you didn't know, Hardcore Holly got uh, got himself a tribal tattoo on his chest. And, and, and his shoulder. Yeah, and he also, he wrestled Keith Lee in AIW, and I'm or AAW rather, and I'm surprised Keith Lee didn't chop that off of him. What, was it any good, though? I didn't watch it, but I know he also wrestled, like, Mil Muertes in AAW. So I don't know if, like, Danny Daniels, like, owed Hardcore Holly money or, like, what the deal was. But. <laughs> yeah, I got an idea. Put me in with that big motherfucker and I'll bait him. <laughs> That's how that conversation went. <laughs> Actual reenactment. Hardcore Holly just appeared in the studio and left again. 
It's yeah, weird. why don't you give him the belt? <laughs> I can beat everybody. Hit him with the Alabama jam. That's Bobby Eaton, not Bob Holly. <laughs> I don't know, man. They're both from some podunk cousin fucking state, so. <laughs> They're both Alabama Bobs. <laughs> What a tag team. Put them in the Crockett Cup. The <laughs> Alabama Bobs. Cornette would probably cream his fucking tennis racket. <laughs> That's the damn tag team idea. I've ever heard, motherfucker. Why'd you put them out there? Make everybody else look like flatter than a plate of peas. <laughs> kill Alabama Bobs. Kill everybody else dinner than Kelsey's nuts. <laughs> the Alabama Bobs fucking broke me. Uh, not as bad as though the um, Alabama. Bob. Uh, so once upon a time, I was traveling oh, in a van oh my God. with uh, with Rich Swan. And himself I was, pop. I was woken up to the sounds of Rich Swan just screaming New Jack impressions, to the point where I was like, he woke me up to go to say something as New Jack, and I couldn't even be mad because it was like my first trip in wrestling. But like, the WWN Bang Van was serenaded to just. This bitch is nasty. Did he start doing the Terry Runnels portion of that shoot interview at he some point? He did the fucking Terry Runnels story, yes. Um, <laughs> Which I cannot... Room job and all. I, I, oh, we can't really elaborate on it because I don't want to get sued. I don't have that kind of money. Um, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Alleg- all allegedly. Cole uh, Cabana has, has taught me through, you know, unfortunate experience. I need to put allegedly in front of all these things. Um, Allegedly, WWE gave me a staph infection. YOLO. Anyway, um, but yes, getting back on track, or trying to, um, so... <laughs> What's that, Alabama Bob number one? Uh, the Alabama Bobs, I would not be surprised if they turn up for a payday in this new mystery promotion. Because, God, I would fucking... So I, apparently this is some billionaire that is, depending on who you talk to, is talking and working with Jim Ross, Chris Jericho... Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, The Bucks, and Adam Page. And uh, so somebody that I know um, who attended our shows uh, when I worked for the unfortunate uh, company that I did um, posted something on Facebook about said uh, billionaire that was not too flattering about the... Uh, he owned some factories and stuff in the Midwest and in the, in the North, and they were apparently... The work ethic there was, even if you're hurt, keep working. You don't want to let your team down. It was very, very unfortunate from what I heard. I haven't followed up on that to, like, validate that, so I could be completely fucking wrong. Who knows? But that was uh, that was something I had heard, and obviously that wouldn't apply to this. But in an age where we like to know things about everyone, I think it was worth a mention. Yeah. Um, I, Speaking I will... of a mention, I'm going to plug um, a podcast that I also may or may not do something with at some point. An honorable mention with uh, Jeff Schwartz and Shane Hagedorn available on the Creative Control Network um, where they do our classic ROH retrospectives and lament uh, about various different things and memories and Jack Evans convincing Jeff Schwartz he could do a 450 off a dresser in a hotel room once and uh, a lot of things. And Linebacker Match is one of their sponsors who just popped in my head for whatever reason. But... Definitely check them out. They put up episodes every Tuesday. They're longer episodes than this will be. They're usually about three to three and a half hours, but they're chock full of stuff you don't know. Um, Gabe Sapolsky stories and just like random happenstances of backstage and Ring of Honor back then. I'm going to throw out into the universe that I would love to be on that show because the time when Shane was in Ring of Honor was my favorite time in Ring yeah, of Honor. That, that was kind of like, because I went to a lot of FIP shows in Florida, that was kind of where some of our talking 
had begun and we were discussing the idea of me doing like an FIP thing and talking about the lo- my love of uh, everything Eric Stevens did. I mean, when don't I talk about that, though? It's true. It's true. Um, it's damn true. But the reason we were talking about this promotion and the, the fact that the boys are going to try to milk this money mark for every dime of his billion plus dollars uh, is because it gave us an interesting opportunity. And we're going to close the show with something we would never done on this show, something I thought I would never do on this show, and we're going to do ourselves a little fantasy draft. So here's how this works. Um, say we are running... We're working with said billionaire slash rube to run our own promotion. And uh, the rules are we will flip a coin. We will go one by one. Uh, You get five singles guys, two tag teams, and two commentators and or managers. So we're going to flip it, call it in the air. Heads. Good catch. Uh, We have heads. I go first. All right. First pick. So, first pick, singles wrestler. I'm going to go with a guy who built one of my favorite promotions with a 609-day championship reign. A reign of terror where he almost cut off Will Ospreay's ear. He uh, has done a lot. He's set things on fire. He's, set, he's seen as a deathmatch guy, but he is so much more. I'm going to go with Jimmy Havoc to start my promotion. Interesting also choice. a personal friend, so I'm biased. Interesting choice. Uh, the guy I go with should be no surprise to anybody who listens to this podcast. He is the franchise. He is the best wrestler in the world. He is the current reigning and defending IWGP heavyweight champion. The cleaner, Kenny Omega, would be my first choice. All right, so for my second choice, I'm going to go a little a little left field here. Like This is not like a pick that I know. Well, some people will have expected this pick from me. Not everyone will. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up to the Northeast. I'm going to go to Ring of Honor. I'm going to pull Jonathan Gresham. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that we're picking specifically non-fed guys because they'd be way off the table. Yeah. Um, uh, with my second pick, I gotta go with the Rainmaker. I take Okada. Okay. So for my third, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with someone who I think is criminally underappreciated. And someone who I think is going to be a big deal in the next couple of years. I'm going to go to AIW and pull Dominic Garini. Interesting. Okay. Most A lot of my choice with him is because he's shown he can hang with anybody. And he has a, a very much shoot mixed martial arts. But not like cage fighting, but like grappling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's a purple belt, I believe. Damn. Okay. So he's, he's been doing that a minute. I he's, did see him in Matt Riddle's Bloodsport. Yes, it, he's very good. Absolutely. Um, my third pick, uh, the current progress champion. I'll pick Walter. Just okay. because I want to see Walter versus Okada real, real bad. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, for my next pick, I'm going to go into my weird Midwest uh, territory of, uh, of wrestlers. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is going to be kind of, not necessarily a weird pick, but like a pick that only I would make for somebody who... I'm looking at not just building a promotion off, like, big stars, but I'm looking at building guys up. And I'm going to pick Dominic Greeny's tag team partner in Sad Comp. I'm going to go with Kevin Koo. Damn. Okay. If you don't know who Kevin Koo is, get familiar. He's very good. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, I'm going to use one of my two tag team picks next. Okay. And I'm going to pick... Uh, 
I'm gonna pick the Lucha Brothers. Okay. Penta, Penta, and uh, and Phoenix. Also, it's kind of a cheat because you get two fat world class singles wrestlers out of that too. And uh, but uh, I, I feel like a very smart pick indeed. Yeah. So I'm gonna go for my my first tag team pick. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go stick in the Midwest a little bit. Um, I'm gonna go with the team. Well, they're they're everywhere now. But uh, I'm gonna go with OI4K. I'm gonna go with Dave and Jake Christ. Ah, uh, your boys. Boys. Uh, your boys. Those ghost loving boys. The, those goodest boys. Good guys. Good guys. Uh, for my next one, man, uh, this is tough. Who would I take? Because it's got to be another singles guy. Uh... Oh, Bandito. Yeah, that's that. That I was absolutely would take Bandito in a heartbeat. I think uh, for my last one, I'm gonna go to Mexico and someone who I have gotten very familiar with, and it is some of my limited lucha experience, Archangel Davino. If you have not seen huh? him, you should because oh my god, he is the fastest La Mystica and the fastest deja vu i've ever seen he is in, an incredible choice right on right on so so that's what four singles guys in a tag team so far uh let's see i had jimmy havoc i had gresham i had dom i had kevin Koo. oh and then i had uh archangel so i got my five singles okay. and i got my one tag team of all right and now with my two singles picks that also opens up the opportunity for sad comp to be a thing that is a, that is true in a bspw that is true. Um, with this last pick, as far... Well, no, I don't... Yeah. Uh, I would probably move him up to... You could move him up to heavyweight. You could leave him where he is. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi would be the last of my, my uh, singles guys picks. Okay, so my tag pick... It, my, la- my last tag pick is probably going to come as no surprise. I've already talked about them a whole bunch. Nick Iggy, Carry Awful, the Carnies, nice. they're, they're violent. Nick puts his fingers in people's mouths. Carrie punches people in the face. And they're just... There's a team who, if you don't know them going in, once you watch them, you'll just love them. That's awesome. I've, I've heard nothing but great things about them. Uh, as far as... The next pick. So your ancillary guys. Yeah, um, I, I still do have one more tag team, oh, but do. I am going to pick an ancillary guy, and I'm going to go with Big Stoke, Stokely Hathaway. Yeah, that is a great call. As um, a great manager, a great commentator, he can yeah. do everything. He can even wrestle. He can. He can even wrestle. Um, so for my commentator and ancillary pick, I'm going to go. I'm going to go into the Northeast, and I'm going to pull Ultramantis Black because he's an incredible commentator. God damn, that is that is really good. I have an original Ultramantis mask over there from before the turn, uh, sitting in in the Minoru Suzuki Memorial podcasting hall, along with my tiger mask and my Milmaskeris mask. And yeah, we'll see if it finds its way into my backpack before I leave. Um, <laughs> no, um, uh, so who's your other, who's your tag team? Oh, um, no, I'm going to actually wait on the tag team until last. I'm going to pick my other... Ancillary? Okay. Yeah, Excalibur. Yeah, that I, is a great because call. the the team of Excalibur and Stokely Hathaway in my mind sounds absolutely magnificent and hilarious. 
so my my last pick for anything, my ans- my last ancillary person, was a toss up between two commentators from uh from progress but i'm gonna go with glenn joseph so i can put glenn screams on everything that'd be great that'd be great because you have because the dynamic between him and ultramantis would be incredible it would be i I would like to hear that for sure for sure but my last pick as as everyone waited with suspense my last pick tag team brand new tag team yes you guessed it the alabama bobs (laughs) (laughs) god damn it Surprise, God motherfucker! Damn it. <laughs> We're coming in all the titles in this money marks fucking place of business. <laughs> you fucking mother! We're gonna beat those masked sons of bitches back to where they came from. Sons oh God! It's so racist. Well, it's June Cornette. Yeah, it's gonna get so racist. It's so bad. But the Alabama Bobs are my final pick. <laughs> Don't even tell me I wasted that pick. Don't at me. <laughs> Do at him. Uh, at me on Instagram, at the Lumberjew, because I don't have Twitter anymore, because I don't have Twitter anymore. Fair enough. And you can always find me uh, at Captain Jack Heartless on Instagram and at Jack Heartless on Twitter. Uh, if you are in the L.A. area, very last Rocky Horror Show, as I am wrapping up with them on november 10th uh go to the landmark uh theater site choose the new art get your tickets uh there's a pretty good likelihood i'm gonna sell that son of a bitch out uh also got a another burlesque show coming with the hollywood jane review on november 20th is the back to the future show i play george mcfly and that that's a good time get your tickets for that coming up very very soon as well but until next time, this show has been absolutely all over the place. And if you followed it, I salute you. <laughs> For my visiting guest, Joshua Gavin, this is Captain Jack Hartless saying thank you very much and keep sailing. Motherfucker! God damn it! <laughs>